0: Welcome to the latest episode of Archibiz Unpacks Marketing. Today, I'm joined by Tim Smith, who's our latest addition to Archibiz. He's our new coach and mentor. Welcome, Tim. Thank you. Nice to be here. Now, Tim, you have a background in as a former GM and business director of multiple design agencies with over 15 years' experience in branding and the creative industries. Can you tell us, from your experience working so long with brand what's your definition of a brand
1: yeah it's a great question because there are so many sort of different takes on brand Um, some people think it's just your logo um, whereas others take a much more holistic view of it Um, the one that i like is that it is defined your brand is really defined by the sum of your customers experiences or interactions with your brand so that means that your brand really exists in your exists in your customer's mind. You don't always have complete control of it. So that that, that is formed through word of mouth, advertising, um, or all the different interactions that they have with your brand. And all those interactions together form an idea or perception um, in the customer's mind of your brand.
0: And why should architects care about their brand? Why is it important?
1: Well, I think if, if we take that as a starting point and that if if your customer is defining your brand um, then that's the starting point for all customer experiences or interactions so it's really interesting when you think about it from that perspective. Um, Businesses strive to create a positive impression of their brand or perception in the marketplace um, you know with the idea that that will drive engagement and thus sales but it's it's much bigger than just sales and marketing. Um, Your brand impacts on your internal culture and helps uh, engage staff and attract new talent. Um, your brand uh, is really important for your supplier relationships and your partnerships. It helps drive investment. So it really underpins, you know, a lot of, if not all, um, you know, some people would say all of your business functions.
0: So Tim, for those. Uh, firms that are looking to rebrand or are creating a brand for the first time, what do they need to have in place or have an understanding of before they get underway with that process?
1: Right, so when most people think about rebranding, it is really just a visual exercise, but it is great to be clear um, or have the bones of a brand strategy in place before you undergo the actual brand identity or brand refresh. So this means having a clear purpose, which is your reason for being or why you exist um, and a vision for your business as well, which is essentially where you're heading or the future state of your business. Um, Plus things like having a really good understanding of your customer um, and who your target audience is, uh, and also looking at your competition and who you're you're actually competing with out there. how you plan to differentiate yourself in the market or your brand positioning is also really important. So there are, there's lots of things to think about and lots of building blocks to get in place, I guess, before you um, undergo that actual brand identity process.
0: And, and look, they're all things that we look at uh, and help clients with in, at Archibius. Uh, you know, understanding your target audience, and and certainly understanding your purpose and your vision, and mapping that vision out. Um, what's the risk of not understanding those things and then going through a branding exercise?
1: Yeah, so I think most agencies would, um, if if you only had some loose idea or some you know really thin framework of of who you were and where you were going. Um, it's still a useful starting point, but most agencies will take you through some sort of brand strategy process.
0: And so, what might some of those visual components be that make up a brand?
1: So, your, your brand is absolutely your logo, but it's also your your color palette and your fonts, and then all the applications or all the um, the tangible things that you use for your marketing. So, it's your your website, it's your um, your business cards and your letterhead. So, it's all the things. But but as I mentioned earlier, your brand extends beyond those things. But as far as your visual identity is concerned, it's those um, marketing applications that support your brand.
0: Yeah, great. Um, And we talk a lot at Archibiz about storytelling, and it's been a theme that's reoccurred throughout this Archibiz Unpacks Marketing series. What's the relationship between brand and storytelling? How does having a unique brand contribute to that storytelling Aspect of your communications.
1: Yes, yeah, so that's um, that's really interesting. I think two other things we didn't touch on when we we're talking about brand strategy are your tone of voice and uh, your brand manifesto. So brand manifesto is really a succinct outline of your brand story, who you are, why you exist, and what you do.
0: so, so that's what we call our sandwich story?
1: Um, it's 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 probably um, Part of the sandwich story? Yes, it's probably one side of the sandwich, um, but it's, it, it is really just um, a paragraph. It often appears on people's websites and it can be a bit of a call to arms as well in terms of clearly articulating who you are as a business and where you're going. Um, so that, together with your tone of voice, which is how you speak and the words you use, um, you know, and how you sound as a business, often there's a series of sort of, we are this and we aren't that, or we do do this and we don't do that. And together those two pieces really help to define your brand story. So when you're with your brand comms, you should be constantly referencing back to your manifesto, your story and how you're articulating yourself. Um, and also use, um, your word of mouth, sorry, your tone of voice. So you're really clear on how you're actually speaking and what you're saying.
0: Yeah, right. Okay. And we look, we see when um, we look around at the architecture market, we see a lot of sameness, uh, despite architects being very visual in nature. And it it seems that sometimes it's, um, there's a bit of an attitude of, let's look and see what our competitors doing. and, And clearly, they must be doing something right, or we admire that. So, so we follow that same approach. What's the importance of differentiating um, through your brand and comms, from your competitors or from other architecture practices out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think it, I think it is really important, and it's probably something that is not done that well in the architectural industry. I mean, if we look at architects' websites, for example, a lot of them do look the same or similar, and they do tend to lead with their, um, their best photo- photographs of their or their work, on this sort of hero photography which is great and it does appeal to some people and it will help, you know, attract customers. Um, and, but there is definitely an opportunity for architects to differentiate around things other than their projects or their photography. Um, and I, th- I think some architects do it quite well, but there is um, within a practice, for example, um, they, can, they can look at their team and their experience and really focus in on, on that or they could look at their, their approach they take and their, their sort of process and make that more of a, a highlight. Um, or it could be the industry sector that they specialize in. Um, I know people have done it in the past around sustainability, but we can get, they can, the, the better niche you can create and the, the better uniqueness in terms of your positioning, um, and then that is what is gonna set you apart from other architects and help you know, attract the, the, the customers that you actually want.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and I've got a contentious question for you, Tim. Should you put your name on the door or not?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, that's a really interesting question, actually, um, but it does relate back to this idea of brand positioning. Again, I think um, putting a name on the door is a bit of an industry standard in architecture, and it's if you've got a good name, I think it's probably fine. Um, if you're not too worried about succession, I think that's something also to consider because if you're tying your name to the practice then it can be diff- difficult to to hand on or to hand off to, for future generations but if we think about positioning um, and if if you are really interested say for example you were going to have an architectural practice that created really sort of futuristic um, innovative work um, you could choose a name to support that positioning like say future architects and that would help define you and also articulate your are offering and how you're different. I mean, another example might be if you were really, um, if you decided you were going to differentiate your practice around collaboration um, and working together, then together architecture or between two, for example, might be a nice name and a good starting point to help um, underpin that differentiation.
0: Yeah, right. And uh, I, I think there's also the issue there—the the risk of when you put your name on the door and there's partners involved. What happens when one partner leaves? Uh, that can become messy. And I, I think we've seen that happen in the past a couple of times as well.
1: Absolutely. And I'd say that's across the board. You know, not obviously not just unique architects, but you know, any practice or um, or profession when uh, you've always got those complications. Or even adding extra names as well can. Um, that, that certainly happens in the advertising world where you, you've got you know, half a dozen partners all with their names on the door and you have a very long window down.
0: Not helpful. Um, so the events of last year came as a, a shock to many of us. We weren't prepared necessarily or expecting a... Uh, you know, lockdowns to happen and, you know, the industry to pretty much come to a bit of a halt for a period of time there. We often find that during a downturn, the temptation is for businesses to slash budgets. And one of the first places that we find that gets slashed is marketing. Is that the right approach? Um, what do you suggest around you should be doing in relation to marketing activity when we do experience a downturn like we have done last year and we're still continuing to do so, you know, as we come off the back of some of the subsidies ending that the, the governments have been providing?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it is definitely the case. Marketing is often the one with its hit on the chopping block. Um, you yeah, know, people are cutting costs, slashing either laying off staff or cutting marketing costs. Um, And I I guess it it makes sense in a way. People think that they can cut marketing costs and and hang in there uh, and everything will be okay. Um, But it's not always the best approach for the long-term. There is actually quite a bit of research that shows that businesses who continue to spend on marketing through a downturn can come out the other end in a much stronger position. Um, And it's, I'll oversimplify it, but basically, if you continue to spend money on your advertising and other and your and your competitors don't then you can gain a greater share of voice in the market which means you have um, a greater proportion of the, the advertising that is currently in market um, so that that can lead to well, ideally that will lead to greater awareness and it should grow your market share as well so you, you technically would come out the other end of the recession or the, the downturn and a stronger position with more customers being aware of your brand and ideally engage with your brand.
0: And if you just flat out don't have the budget for advertising during this sort of period, what are some of the low-cost marketing activities that you can engage in to keep that brand awareness uh, front of mind?
1: Um, it can actually be more cost-effective to advertise during a downturn anyway, particularly online. Um, with less people advertising online, platforms like Google and Facebook can actually be more cost-effective to buy advertising. Um, but on top of that, keeping engaged with your existing customers um, and if you have um, a database of those customers, so you're, you're regularly um, emailing them and you're telling them what you're doing, you're keeping them informed and you're encouraging referral within their network, then that's a great low-cost way to, to stay relevant to your customers during the downturn.
0: Yeah, great. And we certainly advocate that um, people stay in touch with their clients and that they be collecting that list and actually communicating with them on a regular basis as well. So Tim, if a firm out there is considering going through a rebrand at the moment or they're um, starting up and, and, and thinking about what that might look like, um, what's your advice around how they go about undertaking that process and how they find, you know, a design agency that they can work with that for a start.
1: I thought you were going to say that they can trust. <laughs> um, it's it's um, I think that the best like and easiest method in a way is just is word of mouth. Um, if 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 you know someone who has recently gone through that process um and, and it went well then reaching out to them for a referral is you know will save you a lot of time and it's you know probably probably the easiest and the smartest way to go about it. Um, if you, another another option and, and sort of a, and a more effective option is if you actually see someone else's work um, and it doesn't have to be within the architectural industry, but if you see someone's work and brand and website that you really like and approaching them and asking them, you know, complimenting them on the work and asking them who actually created it for them, usually people are pretty happy to, to refer that partner if they've had a good experience with them. And that can also be a, a sort of a shortcut method to finding the right agency. I mean, there are a lot. Um, you know, There's hundreds in Melbourne alone, so it can be you know, a real challenge to find the right one for you. I guess the other thing I'd say is if you've had um, no experience at all and you're totally fresh to the process, having a few conversations with different brand agencies or design studios can be a really great way to understand their process, um, understand what's actually involved. Um, and, and, and sort of get on that journey of education around brand strategy and brand identity and how it all works. Um, it is great to be able to do the process and work with people in person. So if, if you jump on Google and you find a few studios or agencies that are close by and local, then it does actually make a difference, I, I think, like over, over the duration of the project.
0: Yeah, great. Um,
1: the only other final point I would make is just with um, what's really important. And I think it's obviously the work Um, and the thinking, the ideas, but also the people, Um, a a great working relationship is is really uh, crucial, I think, to a great outcome. Um, And of course, the dollars. Uh, It is great to actually have an idea of how much you want to spend uh, and have a set budget before you undertake the process, but I wouldn't be afraid to ask agencies or studios what you need to spend in order to get a great result. And having that money conversation up front, I think is a, is a really great way to go about it.
0: Yeah, I guess that's no different to how architects would expect their clients to come to them. You it's all, you always want them to come with a budget. You know, it's the analogy, I can build you a house of timber, or I can build you a house of marble, and they both have different budgets ex- associated with them. Um, and, and therefore, you know, different inputs along the journey. Absolutely. And there's nothing worse than having a
1: great meeting and then going up, going away and then having the proposal sent through a few days later and it's you're just on a totally different page and it's three times what you thought you were going to spend. You know, it really, um, you might as well have the conversation there in the room um, and, you know, it's in everyone's best interests.
0: Thanks, Tim, for joining us for this episode of Archibiz Unpacks Marketing. Thanks for having me. It's been fun.